Life Audio. Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. On today's episode, we want to talk about the doctrine of ministry, part two. The doctrine of ministry, part two. And after a word from our sponsors, we'll get started on the topic today. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. And if you listen to our previous episode, we introduced this uh, subject uh, on our first broadcast a week ago, uh, dealing with the doctrine of ministry. There's teachings regarding ministry that all Christians should know and then all Christians should embrace. We talked about the word ecclesia, uh, that means called out, uh, called out, uh, to serve, called out to uh, be part of God's uh, work, called out uh, to uh, proclaim God's message, called out to be a good neighbor. Um, we've been called forth. We've been summoned. We've been empowered. We've been lifted up. And this was a quote by Dr. Uh, Frederica Tom- uh, Thompson. And so uh, we've been called. We've been called. It's not just your pastor that's been called. You've been called. Uh, And we don't uh, have to get a title inside the church in order to serve. God has already given us a title. And there's no, uh, no greater title than the title that start with the S word, uh, S letter, servant, servant. That's all we need. We don't need people uh, creating these fancy titles. We don't need people misappropriating biblical titles uh, to seem grand, to seem as though they're better than other people, to seem as though they're more important than other Christians. Uh, It's interesting how uh, people want to take on certain titles, but they don't take on the title that God has given us, which is servant. All of us are servant. At the core of who we are, we are servants. And that term servant 
uh, is important. If we think of ourselves as ministers, uh, not uh, ordained clergy uh, in a sense, but ministers, all of us have been called to be ministers. All of us serve. All of us should serve, rather. All of us should profess. All of us should be reading the Word of God. All of us should be studying the Word of God. All of us should be interested in witnessing for Jesus Christ. Everybody, it seems like everybody else uh, around us, uh, seem to be sharing their view of life without shame. Everybody, uh, not everybody, but a lot of people, are sharing their views uh, on TikTok, and they're sharing their views on uh, YouTube. They're sharing their views on Instagram, and they're sharing their views certainly on Facebook uh, and and all these other social media platforms. Everybody's sharing their views, and I must say, uh, I applaud those uh, those Christians who are on these platforms who are bold enough to share their faith and to talk about Jesus Christ. That's important. They're fulfilling uh, the mandate that God has called them to. And so I'm encouraging you, as you you listen, uh, don't allow your Christianity uh, to just be an adjective. Our Christianity should also be a verb. Uh, The Christians in the first century, uh, they were called people of the way. Uh, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And many theologians surmise that's why they were called people of the way, because Jesus said he was the way. And so these disciples, these apostles, they went forth to talk about the way, the way to salvation, the way to kingdom building, the way to uh, 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 everlasting peace, the way to joy, the way to long-suffering. Jesus is the way. So we that are Christians, we have been called by God to be people of the way. And that's embodied or that's um, actualized by uh, either being in ministry on a local level, being in ministry on a global level, uh, but being in ministry. All of us should be in ministry. doesn't matter what gift God has given you. If you are a mechanic, uh, you've been called by Christ himself to be uh, uh, the greatest mechanic, but using your ability to fix uh, automobiles to the glory of God. So it's not just about fixing automobiles. No, there are people that don't know Jesus that fix automobiles. It's about you looking for an opportunity. Maybe a customer is having a bad day for you to speak uh, truth into their life, for you to be able to witness about Jesus Christ. Uh, one of my coworkers uh, just gave a testimony a few days ago. Uh, he was talking about how he was running an errand and uh, went to the bank, and on his way out, uh, he saw someone uh, who was having car issues. So he, uh, he listened to the Spirit. He went back and asked that person if he needed assistance. And he realized that um, he didn't have what it was necessary to um, help this gentleman. So he told the gentleman, well, I have a AAA membership. So he called AAA 
and they came and were able to assist this this uh, gentleman. But while he was waiting on AAA, he started talking to him and realized that this gentleman used to be a former member of uh, of his church, uh, of our church. And he shared with them, and he realized soon that this whole situation was not about this man's car, but it was about the opportunity to speak life to this man, to to remind him of what Jesus was calling him to do, to remind him to come back to church, to remind him to not forsake the assembly of the saints, to remind him that Christian fellowship was important. So when he was sharing with him, uh, the man uh, was so blessed. He thanked him, and real, and, he, and they both realized that it really wasn't about the car, that God was using this as an opportunity for him to come back to church and to become active. So it's not enough for your name to be on the church's road. We need to be active. All of us need to be part of a ministry. Then the other thing is, when we look at the first century Christians, we're talking about ministry. They were engaged in ministry. They were about the Father's business. They were out sharing the gospel. They were out uh, ministering to the widows. They were uh, out there uh, serving food. They were out there praying. They were out there discipling. And, of course, they had to eventually uh, deal with the administrative issues that came up um, with, with some in the group. But it's all part of ministry. So when you're saved... Uh, the next step is to be disciple. But while you're being disciple, we're still sharing the good news. And then uh, uh, we're praying for God to use our unique talents to glorify him. How should I be plugged in at my church? We have uh, a covenant mandate between ourselves. All of us, if you're part of a local church, you have a covenant with the other members. We are all in this together, and it's called a covenant relationship. Believers, right, when we first come to Christ, uh, many of us come with our own biases. Many of us come with our own mindset of how we think church is or how church ought to be. When we first join a church, um, many of us uh, come with our own preconceived expectations, uh, we want it to be this way. We want it to be this long, and, and we think uh, uh, church is about this, church is about that, especially if you have um, little experience being in church uh, when you first become a member. We, what we need to think about is the duty of the church. The duty of the church is to create opportunities for each member to be exposed to teachings based on God's word, not our individual biases. Let us take a break to recognize our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. What impacts you every day? 
There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. So what's happening is we have people coming into the church and instead of the church uh, promoting the principles of Scripture, the standards of Scripture, some churches are acquiescing to the will of the individual members. And so they're diluting what the Bible is expecting for our churches to follow. The Bible is the priority. And everything we do inside the church must be built on the foundations of Scripture, not necessarily what I think or necessarily what you think. What I think or what you think ought to be filtered by the Word of God. So it's the church's job to create uh, Bible studies, to create small groups, and to create ministry opportunities based on Scripture, not based on my personal experiences alone. My personal experiences need to be vetted by God's word, not based on my philosophies alone. My philosophy need to be filtered through the word of God, not through uh, my previous relationships. My previous relationships need to be filtered by the word of God, not based on my previous church experiences. My previous church experiences ought to be filtered by the word of God. It's not a wise decision. If a church doesn't have mandates built on Scripture, then they'll find themselves uh, establishing things that even God hasn't endorsed. So it's important for each church, each Bible teaching church, to set up foundational opportunities for people to learn what God's will is as it relates to ministry, what God's will is as it relates to Bible study, what God's will is as it relates to leadership. All of this has to be filtered through the Word of God. So we, as leaders of the church, we have to make sure that everything we teach is biblical, that everything we teach involves maximum participation. We can't force people to get involved in ministry, but we have to teach it plainly so people understand what the expectation is. The expectation is if you joined a local body, don't join solely because you like the pastor's style of uh, preaching. Don't join solely because you like the pastor's style of teaching. The standard that ought to be used is, is this pastor biblical? Is this pastor teaching sound doctrine. And then the next step is, are they creating opportunities for me to learn what sound doctrine is, for me to learn the doctrines concerning Jesus Christ and what is healthy versus unhealthy doctrine? Then the next step is, how do I get connected to a ministry so I I can be used by God the way that he wants to use me. So if I'm good at administration, then I need to be part, I need to, uh, I need to look into using my gift as an administrator, right? We, we have to know what our gifts are. If I'm good 
with uh, hospitality, then perhaps I need to be in the guest services ministry. And, and, and again, the Holy Spirit will confirm it. So we need to be connected. Whatever your gift is, God is calling you to exercise it. Human beings will inevitably interpret the situation in which they live, but their interpretation can be misinformed. This is why it's important, ladies and gentlemen, that when uh, an individual joins church, we uh, allow them to be exposed to what God is expecting and not necessarily what that individual is expecting. We need to trade in our desires for God's desires. We need to trade in our pedagogy for God's theology. We need to trade in our, our worldview for God's view. So when we join church, many of us, we, 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 we come to God with our own subjective biases. And some of it is misinformed. Some of it is idolatrous. Some of it is irrelevant. Some of it is racist. Some of it is superficial. And some of it is indifferent towards truth. You'll be surprised. Uh, if you ever get a chance, do go to Barner Research Group, B-A-R-N-A, and look at uh, the different statistics they have as it relates to why people join church. But many people join church with a totally foreign, unbiblical view of what church is. So when people uh, come to church, it is the church's job to teach what God's view is, not uh, the popular view of this century, not the popular view of Christendom, not the popular view of gospel entertainment, but what is the word of God saying? The word of God is timeless. Why? Because the word of God is rooted in God's truth, and God's truth is eternal. And whatever is eternal is transcended beyond time. So it doesn't matter what people are doing. What matters is what people ought to be doing. And that's what the word of God does for us. When uh, these uh, false views that we bring into the church occurs, then it loses uh, the dialects of suspicion and hope that originates in the gospel. So there is a dialect uh, uh, in theology that we find in the gospel, which becomes diluted when we acquiesce to people's false theologies that they come to church with. We shouldn't be diluting God's message to appease people. We should be asking the people to acquiesce to God's word. We ought to be changing, not changing the word of God to fit people's subjective uh, lifestyles. So, again, uh, there are things in, as it relates to joining the church that we have to know or that we must learn. The first thing the uh, church uh, has to uh, teach is the doctrine of salvation. The doctrine of salvation. Um, why are we saved? What does it mean to be saved? Right? A lot of people use this term, uh, I'm saved. Um, I'm a Christian and I'm saved. What does that mean? When we talk about salvation, right, we're talking about uh, why uh, we accepted Jesus Christ. And the question that I ask people when they say they're saved, my question to them is, from what to what? From what have you been saved from, right? What have you been saved from 
to what have you been saved to when you say that I'm saved? Jesus saved me from my wicked ways, and he saved me to a lifestyle of righteousness. Jesus saved me from envy, and he saved me to being happy that God is blessing other people. So we, we need to be able to articulate these terms that we use inside the church. If, if we're going to be part of ministry, we have to know uh, the lingo of the Bible. And in the English, we have the word salvation. And the question is, what have you been saved from? And what have you been saved to? So salvation is free, but discipleship costs everything we have. Let me say that again. Salvation is free, but discipleship will cost us everything that we have. Jesus died on a cross for us. He's already paid the price. So salvation is free in that sense, even though it costs Jesus. The blood came at a cost. The perfect lamb was slain. So even though salvation may be free to us, it costs Jesus. But discipleship does cost us something. Discipleship will cost us time. Discipleship costs us to use our own money that God has given us. Discipleship will cost us some friends, will cost us some family members in order to um, uh, be obedient to Jesus. Some people uh, don't want a holy lifestyle. Some people don't want to hear about the truth of the gospel. So they don't want to walk with you anymore. Uh, people that used to walk with you, now that you're following Jesus Christ, some don't want to hear uh, the truth. They don't want to be convic- convicted because of uh, how you're living now, because of who you're following. And so we pray for those people, but it's going to cost you something as a disciple. Not everybody's going to like you. Not everybody is going to understand why you sacrifice the things that you sacrifice. So we, we have to be careful. So salvation is important. When we become a Christian, uh, our minds have to be transformed, right? Romans reminds us in chapter 12 that, that we ought to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And then I'm paraphrasing. It says that we may prove that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, which is your reasonable service. So salvation is an important aspect uh, when we join church. Then when we join church, uh, we should join church to learn more about Jesus, right? We should join church, number one, to learn about salvation. What is salvation all about? Then number two, we should join church, right? Because if we're going to minister, we have to know what the assignment is. We have to know why we need to minister, and that's what uh, the local church body does or uh, the Bible studies that we have in our homes. That's what they do. Uh, even though it may not be a big church, maybe you're part of a home church, but whatever you call it, uh, the group of baptized believers that have been called forth, that have been, that have been summoned, uh, we are ch- a church. We are the ecclesia. So God wants us to learn about salvation. Then the second thing is he wants us to learn about Christology. And that term Christology simply means the study of Christ. What do we know about Jesus? What should we know about Jesus? Right? We should know, number one, about the ontology, meaning uh, the nature of Jesus Christ. What is he like? Uh, In the Bible, uh, we see many descriptions of who Jesus is in terms of his nature. Philippians 2nd chapter uh, tells us 
that he emptied himself into a body, right? Meaning that he added humanity. He did not lose any divinity. That's the ontological nature of Jesus Christ. He, he added on humanity and he didn't lose any divinity. So he's not like uh, what the Jehovah Witnesses say is that he's the firstborn of all creation in the sense that uh, God the Father created him. So he's a second G. He's a second God. He's a lower God. No, Jesus is equal to the Father. So we must know these things in terms of Jesus Christ. That's the study of Jesus Christ. And the reason why that's important is because uh, it's important to God. Uh, the law of identity is important to God. Uh, God wants us to tell the truth about Jesus. Uh, even Jesus says in the last days, there'll be those that say, did, did I not heal in your name? Did I not prophesy in your name? Did I not perform all these miracles in your name? And Jesus says, I'm going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. So just because somebody used the name Jesus doesn't mean necessarily that they're uh, talking about the same authentic Jesus that we're talking about. So talking about the authentic Jesus, the biblical Jesus, it's important to God. So we study about Jesus, right? We study about Christ, um, who he is. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He's also described uh, in, in Revelations as well as uh, in the Old Testament as, as Alpha and Omega, beginning and end. Jesus is eternal. Then in John, uh, the book of the Gospel of John uh, unveils the real Jesus to us. It says uh, that in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. So Jesus is divine. Jesus is, is the only God-man truly that ever traversed this earth. And I just love talking about the Christology of Jesus Christ. It's, it's a wonderful subject, um, and oftentimes I hold classes on it. Um, and if you're ever interested, as we come to a close, Visit us on srministries.org. We thank you for your prayers, and we definitely uh, we encourage you to support us financially. If you can, go to srministries.org. And remember to continue to do for the truth what so many do for a lie. God bless. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. And as always, we would like to thank our friends at Life Audio for their partnership with us on this broadcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and a lot more. Please connect to lifeaudio.com. God bless. This is Chris Christensen, and back in 2006, I started a simple project, a project to try and introduce more people to the Bible through Bible study called the Bible Study Podcast. It's a simple name and a simple idea. Each week, every week, 
We study one chapter of the Bible, talk about what it says, and what that might mean for us today. To listen now, go to lifeaudio.com or search for the Bible Study Podcast on your favorite podcast app.